Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through it again! Oh, he just can't do it! You just cannot be that good! That is an amazing goal! I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. Hello, guys, and welcome to a slightly delayed episode of the 50 Plus One football podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. Bit of a technical issue this week, so it's coming to you later than it normally would. But I'm still joined, as always, by the bottle job to my Tottenham Hotspur, Lewis. I completely forgot about the uh, the intro that you did the first time around. I still don't like being being the bottle job in this uh, in this scenario. Anyways, enough of that. This week we have two London teams both screwing up at the very last second and walking away with only a point rather than three, as well as the hotly contested Merseyside Derby and probably the first Merseyside Derby where both teams have been on level pegging. And then we move to Germany where we will have a Bayern-free episode for the first time in a while. Should also be said a United-free episode, so... There's a first for everything, but we will look at what most likely will be the two best matches of the weekend, or which were forecasted as the best matches of the weekend, in TSG Hoffenheim versus Borussia Dortmund and VfL Wolfsburg versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. We hope you will enjoy this. Let's get rolling. Shall we just start with uh, the Merseyside Derby? More for what happened, not necessarily the result, I think. Definitely. Everyone's seen the backlash from this, and I think it's only fair we talk about it. So in, in your opinion, as a goalkeeper, red card for Jordan Pickford? I mean, that card should be more like maroon colored or neon red, whatever, whatever is more red than red card, because I'm sorry, that's just dangerous and reckless play from Jordan Pickford. I know he's trying to, you know, come out, be, make himself big, but he's flying into Virgil van Dijk. It's just, it is just a shocking challenge. And the fact that the FA have not decided, have decided against booking him or giving him a, a ban in retrospect is just baffling to me. Unbelievable. I mean, Virgil van Dijk's now out for seven to eight months with an ACL tear. And that's a massive miss. But like that Liverpool team will not be the same without Van Dijk. Like, teams are going to now come up against Liverpool and be, they'll be thinking, well, they've not got Van Dijk. Let's have a go. Let's, yeah. let's try and expose Joe Gomez and more than likely Fabinho at centre-back now. Yeah, and and the thing is also, you know, Liverpool have now gone from being the best team in England to being nothing, they're probably not any better than Chelsea uh, is at this point because they're the exact, they've been reduced to the exact same team. I know, obviously, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson are better than whatever Chelsea can put at fullback, but at the end of the day, Van Dijk keeps that back line in check and keeps them in line. And 
you could almost go as far as to say um, Liverpool will be nothing more like more than Chelsea because they'll be great still going forward, but very, very shaky at the back. Yeah, they're without that natural leader, without an anchor. Exactly, exactly. But I think something that's really... This came out today at time of recording that David Coote, who was the VAR official, has been suspended from all uh, VAR and refereeing duties. And when Man City play West Ham at the weekend, he will be fourth official. But Michael Oliver, the referee on the field at the time, who apparently needed to be told that was a foul, is just allowed to carry on with his day, which to me is baffling. I mean, you see that challenge happen on the pitch. You don't, the, the first thing that should be going through your mind as a referee is send him off. Don't care what the linesman will show, send him off. And as far as that's concerned, you know, the, the official excuse uh, being, well, he was offside. So technically the, uh, the play can, the, the play, whatever happens after the offside is flagged, doesn't matter. Whatever happens after that doesn't matter. Okay, that so is ne- just the, the, that's the weakest excuse ever. So next time I'm offside, I can just walk up and kick someone in the jaw because it doesn't count because uh, I'm offside. Or you say you basically, that you slide tackle a guy that, or the striker's through, he's been flagged offside and then you just come in and slide tackle him and you, I don't know, break his ankle or something. You say, well, I shouldn't be booked for that because it's offside. You've literally just set that kind of precedent. It's so stupid. And I think people, there needs to be some sort of clearer outline or something because uh, it was quite funny. Piers Morgan put a tweet out. True. You know who Piers Morgan is, don't you? Oh, yeah. He, International arsehole. Infamous. In, the most infamous news or, or anchor. Yeah, you know, the, the, the phone tapping television. guy. But he exactly. put out a tweet that was like, oh, well, if uh, Jordan Pickford did that in the street, he'd be done for assault. So would you for any tackle in football. But I don't walk around Winchester High Street swiping old ladies' ankles out with a crunching slide tackle. <laughs> it's just the most brain-dead... It's like saying, oh, well, if you rugby tackled uh, someone in the street, you, that'd be done for assault. It's like, well, yeah, because it's not on a rugby pitch. Funnily enough... We still kind of agree with the tweet, but, you know, if he'd used his brain a little bit more, he would have figured out a better tweet to put out than that because at the end of the day, yeah, any tackle in sport, you'd get done for assault if you did that in the street. So we, we know where you were going with that, Piers, but you, you kind of screwed up on the execution. And uh, I'm going to... Uh, be be nice about the officials before I play devil's advocate again. The the decision to send Richarlison off, even That's after fair. the whistle had gone, was correct. That we can agree on. Yeah, it was a crunching tackle. I mean, Jesus. Like the whistle had gone for a foul already before he came through the back of Thiago. But that yeah, don't don't hurt card. my Spanish prince. Don't hurt don't hurt him. Oh, so yeah, he's uh, he's just just on a loan from Bayern. Exactly, he's One coming day back. He will be back. He's coming back. Don't 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 kill my hopes. So Everton are now without Richarlison for three matches, 
But on the other Pickford side, again, Pickford hasn't gotten a single stinking thing. Well, I was Continue. thinking more the uh, the offside call. Oh, that robbed Liverpool of, th- of uh, two points. I mean, th- there's there's no other way to put it. They were unbelievably robbed. How you can justify that being offside is beyond me. Well, I mean, they, the only way they've uh, even admitted, oh, the the camera and the cameras and the technology is not good enough. The pixel density is not not high enough. There's not a good enough resolution to work in millimeters because the more you zoom in, the worse it looks. So if it's give, coming down to millimeters on an offside call, for me, just he's onside. Yeah, you I'm give sorry. the advantage to the attacker, oh. surely. Exactly. You don't you don't say, oh, you know, I think his left toe might be a tad offside. No. His left toe is not going to give him an advantage. His, if his foot and part of his leg is offside, okay, then I'll give it to you. But his toe is not going to give him an advantage when trying to go forward. It is baffling how you can, how you can do that. It's, you know, it's, like the, it's, it's as if someone's like, well, oh, well, his, his, shirt, his shirt fiber was offside, so I'm going to go and call that. Like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, it's difficult when you've got some jobs worth in the back of a van in Stockley Park that's, that isn't there, that doesn't know how that, you, you know, I still may, I said it when VAR was first introduced, it's like you can't rely on a decision from someone who isn't there, who doesn't, yeah, you yeah. can't, I, I want to say can't feel the game, but you know what I mean when I say can't feel the game. I feel like they should have the VAR, but they should have them that they should have him sitting in the stands with a, with a monitor. So he has like a feel for how the game's going and also, you know, can see on the monitor, like by all means, have him hidden away somewhere in the topmost stand or whatever. But yes, we can't be rattled by fans. I was about to say, you put it, imagine putting the VAR guy in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of a section. He get he get mauled if he if he disallowed a goal or something. So we're in agreement with that. Liverpool robbed of two points. Definitely, Everton definitely. quite lucky to remain unbeaten this season. Yeah, just a, on a quick note though, Van Dijk isn't the only person who is missing from Liverpool's starting eleven. I'm gonna say Allison is a much bigger blow than many pundits have said so far. Oh yeah, you I'd look say, at that seven-two game against exactly, and I'd and I'd say the first Everton goal, Allison makes that save. Yeah, I mean, I don't really. You got a lot of power behind that, Michael Keane, but I know what you mean. Like a, there's different caliber of keeper. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying we have to expect Adrian to make that save, but I'm saying Allison probably, as being one of the top five keepers in the world at the minute, probably has the class to do that. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue with that. He is one of the best in the world at the moment. And him not playing for Liverpool week in, week out is a massive loss. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd say enough of the Merseyside derby. Let's move to London where neither Tottenham nor Chelsea can manage to bring a 3-2 victory over the line somehow. Can we start with Chelsea? Oh, go for it. Okay, we'll, we'll build them up. We'll talk positive before we uh, we talk Kepa. 
I'm quite happy that Timo Werner scored twice because I, I may have forgotten to take him out of my fantasy team. I'm pretty sure you're keeping him in now. I am now, yeah. He may or may not. He may or may not have been my captain. So, oh, forgetting to take him out and scoring twice, and the first and goal, record and getting an assist. Well, there we go. The first goal, that dummy. I mean, Bednarak might as well not have been playing. It was great. And then the second goal. Oh, that little. It just skips past the whole. Of Southampton's of of Southampton's midfield and backline. Well, it's just the way he chips it up over Alex McCarthy and then heads it in himself. Oh yeah, sorry, I'm I'm getting the goals mixed up. Are oh, you thinking Except the first one? I remember you said one, to me one. like that close control was ridiculous. Yeah, it, I'm. I'll go as far as to say it was almost Messi esque. Almost. But you can't when someone's doing that in a eighteen yard six yard box. You can't touch them. That's the thing, and that, and only a handful of players can really do that at the top level. That's what makes them so unbelievable. It reminded me a little bit of Dimitri Payet's goal against Middlesbrough. He did the oh, same yeah, thing, close exactly. control from one side of the box to the other, and then cut back across. It's utterly ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Kai Havertz also doing his bit scoring. So it was the it was it was Germany who who saved Chelsea that day. <laughs> On the subject of Germans, I can't remember where it come from. I think I was listening to something. It was like a news flash thing that came up on the radio. And uh, it was like, oh, even though they didn't win, there were two goals, uh, the two first goals for Chelsea's new signing, Timo Werner. I was like, oh, God. Ah. I, I nearly pulled the car over. I had to be physically sick. Ooh, uh, I, I understand it's not as bad for me because I'm English. And mm. we butcher a foreign word, but for someone like you, that's your native, that's your native language, oh, and people are just butching it. It's just not nice. It's really not nice. Oh, just oh, listening to that. Really put the emphasis on the W in Timo Werner. It almost sounded as if he was about to say Timo Wanker, you know. <laughs> but it was at the other end where Chelsea let themselves down. Yeah, funnily enough, we just talked about Kai Havertz getting his goal um, and also playing some very, very, I'd say, tasty through balls. He is, at the other end, the main reason why Chelsea conceded their first goal because he gets the ball taken off of him in a position where if you lose the ball in midfield like that, you are opening your own team up so badly. So I'm not going to lie. First goal, probably down to Kai Havertz losing the ball in the midfield. Yeah, I, but again, he's not known for his, not defensive ability, but you'd expect him to keep the ball there. I mean, it wasn't even defensive ability that was really the the main talking point there is because Chelsea had the ball at that point. It's just, if you're going to get the ball taken off you, you don't do it, you know, right on the cusp of your own uh, your your own defensive third, but I think the ma- the bigger talking point is the second goal because Kepa. There's no other way to put it. Sloppy. Yeah, I, it's not entirely his fault. I mean, we can talk about what no. on earth he thought he was doing in a minute, but that back pass, if you can call it a pass from <laughs> Kurt Zuma, like mate, 
that thing gonna, if I'm, you're gonna do that put some effort behind it and get it to your keeper i'm sorry but ian rubbin's shot to win the champions league final 2013 had more pace on it and that thing had a solid speed of like two kilometers an hour and that trickled over the line that's what i'm saying it's just you you just need to put a bit more pace on the ball like don't rocket it at your keeper obviously but you know put a bit more pace a little bit more of a crisp thing you know don't give denny ings a through ball chadams sorry uh got got mixed up there southampton have three very similar strikers denny ings had the first goal there we go um then then we'll get to Kepa because he goes at the ball or he I'm going to assume, obviously, I'm not in his inside his head, but I'm going to assume he was trying to stay on his feet until the very last second when he had to react as, you know, goalkeepers are taught in a one-on-one situation. However, why he decides then that that is a good time to, you know, put his leg out and kind of put his leg over the ball so the ball just goes right under it and through, don't ask. Because he could very well have gotten that with his hands. I'm running out of words to describe that goalkeeper, if you can call him a goalkeeper anymore. The man just needs to go to some Europa League team and rebuild. Not even that. I think he'd do do a decent job at a Champions League level Spanish side. But I know know what it's like to have a keeper make so many errors. Well, when we first signed David De Gea and when we had Anders Lindegaard, Huh. And even De Gea last year, like it makes uh, it makes your blood boil, especially. Well, maybe not with Kepa because he's always been a bit crap. Mm. But I think the only reason he started that game is because Edward Mendy's injured. Yeah, yeah. Like Frank Lampard clearly doesn't have any faith in him, which is difficult. Must be difficult as a manager not having any faith in your goalkeeper. A little bit, a little bit. But that's why you sign Edouard Mendy. It's just unfortunately picked up a training injury. Yeah. And then moving on to the last goal. Clear big that Yannick. with just a... Yeah, big Yannick. Just clear that with a bit more, you know, power. Just a bit more determination. Because, you know, it's the last kick of the game and you're, you're letting them get away with that. That's just poor. Oh, just it's, again, it's the same as what I said about Kurt Zuma's back pass. Just a bit of effort behind it. Exactly. I mean, f- full credit to Vestergaard for getting down as low as he did to head that in. Yeah, exactly. When any normal person lashes at it That's with their stupid. foot. Yeah. Big Yannick was on there, not for me. I'm heading this one in. He's giving Slabhead a run for his money. Oh, don't. He scored at the weekend. Oh. Well, that is a perfect segue into the bottle jobs from North London, Tottenham Hotspur. Up 3-0 after 16 minutes, 1-6, not 6-0, 1-6, and manage to, in the space of 10 minutes, concede three goals. They, they were up from, 3-0. They went from potential title challenges... So in the words of what's-his-face. In an hour. Trust. Who said that again? Which pundit was it? Uh, probably Gary Neville or Jamie Carragher. What, that 
that Tottenham Hotspur were clear title contenders. I doubt it. Oh, no. Uh, I can't remember who said that. It might have been da- uh, Danny Murphy or something like that. One of the ones that doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, it's just, I mean, Gareth Bale even had the chance when Tottenham were down 3-2 to, you know, make it 4-2. So, oh, do you want to know something else that's funny? Do, do enlighten me. Tottenham were 3-0 up, right? Mm. A prodigal son returns. Gareth Bale comes on for his second Spurs debut. And they draw 3-0. Bad luck charm there? Ah, well. But yeah, that chance, I think... You gotta be putting that away, Gareth. You should be listening. Gareth Bale is a good player. He's he's. If it hadn't been for you know Real Madrid and incidentally Zinedine Zidane being dickheads and you know not letting him play, Gareth Bale would still be starting regularly for Real Madrid at this point. But I don't know. Before we crush Spurs. I want to talk Harry Kane for a sec because he's for years now he's been Tottenham's top scorer he's been the league's top scorer he's been you pass to Harry he'll score and this season he's slowly becoming the provider like Son's four goals against Southampton he got all of the assists for that he got the assist for Son's goal against West Ham yeah yeah like he's he's becoming that more complete player, much like Lewandowski. Oh, let's let's not com- let's not quite compare those two yet, but uh, def- no, definitely you are right because you know the most assists coming from Harry Kane versus the most goals coming from Hoyman Son in the Premier League at the minute. That says it all, really. But you can be as good going forward as you want, but if you, you got can't de- defend. Uh, Exactly. If you got Davinson Sanchez smashing the ball into his own net in the 86th minute, you know. Well, the the thing is, I've said it again. Like Harry Winks with the with the clearance from from Cresswell's cross, like a bit more effort. Don't just like flap at it with your leg. Yeah. Proper whack it out. Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't definitely. go anywhere near Lanzini, but take nothing away from that effort. Jesus. Postage stamp, I believe, was the Proper exact wording words. from from Jamie Carragher there. But enough of the Premier League. Let's talk Bundesliga, where we thought we would have a top match in Hoffenheim versus Dortmund. And the starting lineups kind of disappointed, didn't they? Yeah, I think it was a bit... Good thing there were no fans in, because it would have been a bit... Ooh. Well, I've not paid to watch these players play. I've come to watch Erling Haaland and I've come to watch, you know, Marco Royce and gee, it was a bit I don't want to say a weakened team, but I've not heard of Felix Paslak. That's all I'm saying. Dortmund uh youth academy product. Funnily enough, he was on loan to Hoffenheim, but um, I think I said this to you earlier as well. Pasak would not have been, or I don't think Pasak would be ga- getting the game time he is for Dortmund if it weren't for Corona and the tightly packed schedule. Ah, so it's more of a 
necessity rotation. because I need yeah. to play you from Lucian Father, not a hey, you're a, you're too good for my reserves. Fancy running the first team because doesn't Nico Schultz normally mm. play left he wing is, back? To be fair to him, he is definitely too good for the reserves. So I'd say he definitely deserves to be in the Bundesliga side. Whether he des- he deserves to start for Dortmund, that's a different story. Nico Schultz has also not had a great run of form, which also makes it all the more interesting as to why Joachim Löw thinks he is good enough to be nominated for the German national team when he is second or third string for Dortmund. I was going to say he wasn't even in the side. Exactly. I know so I, uh, Rafael Guerrero has been playing left wing back more than Nico Schultz. Exactly. Exactly. So that there's there's that. Um, also, the international break is just killing the club teams because you know Andrei Kramaric and Pavel Karajabek both coming from the Czech national team testing positive for Corona, so they're out for two weeks, and you know Kramaric has gone from. I believe you said not being able to hit a cow's ass with a banjo at Leicester to scoring six goals in three matches for Hoffenheim. Yeah, and Leicester at the moment are struggling. Like Jamie Vardy's injured. They had to bring on Islam Slimani after like a thousand odd days of not playing for Leicester. And he's just not good enough. And you think the player that Andre Kramaric is becoming at Hoffenheim probably do a decent job for that Leicester team but I can just imagine if they were fat, like paying to watch that game if there were yeah. fans in the stadium no Kramaric you know you've got Marvin Hitz in goal for Dortmund like you won't be watching Roman Berkey make saves yeah you're not wrong you're not wrong I mean to be fair also Haaland not starting due to the international break and having play, played three games in the span of a week and a half Completely understandable as to why he's left out of the squad. But again, it just shows that this tightly packed schedule is going to be forcing a lot of teams to resort to some players and tactics that they wouldn't normally um, do. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, it wasn't the most flattering game either. I mean, nah. Dortmund won 1-0, but honestly, Hoffenheim had opportunities to level and even win that game. Definitely. I mean, uh, Miat Kacinovic showing why Hoffenheim decided to trade Steven Zuba for him and send uh, Steven Zuba to Eintracht Frankfurt. Because um, Kacinovic, he, he could have easily scored not just once, but more like twice or three times. And, you know, Dortmund, it, it requires Haaland and Royce both to come on and combine to get the 1-0 in the 76th minute. So that should tell you pretty much what uh, or how much both teams have struggled to compensate their um, losses in their first team due to the international break. Yeah, and you'd feel a couple of the chances that Hoffenheim had if it was Kramaric. Maybe it would have been different, but you can't, you know, that's such a what if situation. Definitely, definitely. I think Hoffenheim um, will be better this season. I mean, they're eighth at the moment. Yeah, but I can tables easily are... see them. I mean, the, t- the table won't tell a decent, truthful story until at least Christmas. 
I was about to say the tables at this point in time, after four games, you might as well chuck them in the bin because they're not going to tell you what the what the table is more likely going to look like, you know, Christmas or um, come spring. It's usually in the winter that the that the table really starts to take shape. But moving on from two teams that definitely had signs of the international break and the wear and tear on the starting 11s. We'll move to two teams that made a one-all draw about as exciting as a one-all draw can get. Wolfsburg and Mönchengladbach, both teams that are now or that are showing that to be on track for European spots the last couple of years, um, and both of them making smart investments into talented players and being, or basically just showing that they can still build a very good squad with relatively small amounts of money. Yeah, and I mean, Mönchengladbach are the team that we watched when I was over in Germany. Yeah. I mean, we'll ignore the fact they lost, was it 3-1 to mm-hmm. RB Leipzig after a Werner hat-trick, but... You got to see a Werner hat, uh, hat-trick as well. Exactly, <laughs> but they're such an, like a, an exciting team to watch play. And yet half the players you never like you don't hear of before they sign or before they come through at Gladbach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one had heard of Jan Zoma before Gladbach, and now Jan Zoma is probably, or as Peter Schmeichel says, Jan Zoma is the most underrated keeper in Europe. Again, I, I, hard to argue with Big Pete. <laughs> Big Pete. Love that. Um, but talking about the match, both teams had loads of, loads of chances to put the match away. Um, Gladbach definitely putting more pressure in the first half, and then the second half, Wolfsburg seemed to have the upper hand, but only slightly. But it made for some great, you know, for a neutral fan to watch, made for some great play because there were a lot of chances um, that on both sides. So just in general, a team or a, or a, another match that basically uh, advertises the Bundesliga a little more. Yeah, and if it wasn't for uh, Verkhorst, I'll probably yeah. butchered that name, but Wolfsburg would have been the makers of their own downfall with the oh, penalty. Yeah. It wasn't a good pass again. I was about to say, it was, another, it was a Kurt Zuma-esque uh, back pass to, you know, to put that one there. It was, um, I mean, it all but forced uh, Wolfsburg's goalkeeper, Kuhn Kastiers, to give away a penalty. I mean... As a goalkeeper, I'd be furious with the with a with a passer rather than with myself because at that point, he's they. I mean, his back line has left him for dead in that situation. So, and it, he almost saved the penalty. It wasn't a great penalty. No, it was just the power more than the placement that beat Colin Castiles. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not good, sure if uh, good penalty from Hoffman. Would. I mean. I was I was just about to argue the exact opposite. I'd I'd say I'm not sure if Gladbach are going to let Hofmann take their penalties all too all too soon. Because I mean, what the placement, the the power he got. I'd say he got lucky that that didn't get saved. Because if he didn't have a, if he had a tad less power on that shot, it would have been saved. Yeah, maybe. I I mean, depends really where you put. Sometimes if you'd put that the other side. Same place, but the other side, you would be going, oh, great penalty. Yeah, okay, but still, I mean, 
I'll, I'll give okay. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. But I think we can agree on the fact that the Wolfsburg equalizer very late in the game uh, is fair. And when you look at the the way the match played out over ninety minutes, yeah, definitely. And it come from a man that consistently scores like between ten and fifteen goals a season. He's a big guy as well. It's just that tip. It's like a classic number nine. Not this short, yeah, agile, yeah. dribbling, running in behind. He's a proper target man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But he still has a solid finish. I mean, he took that first time. Great touch for a big lad. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But, but does he does he play? Does he make it into the Netherlands team at all? Yeah, he does. I was gonna say he's made four appearances since 2018. You think? And I'm going to guarantee you right now that most of those appearances came within uh, the 2019-2020 season because I think I think it's hard to argue as a as a national team coach if a player is in the Bundesliga scoring 15 goals in a season to not take him to the national team because I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think the Netherlands have got all too many top options when it comes to their striker position. They're a great team in the midfield and in the um, and in their back line. I'm genuinely trying to think, like not since Van Persie and Huntelaar. Exactly. Maybe Memphis Depay could play through the middle, but you think he's more of a wide left player? Yeah, but they've got such decent wingers. You'd think a player like Verkhorst would be able to absolutely bang in that team. Exactly, exactly. That's why I I I definitely say that if it if it were down to me to choose that Netherlands team, Vichos would start. Well, new Netherlands coach for the Euros, so you never know. I was about to say they might uh, they might come over and hire me. You never know. <laughs> but finishing the Bundesliga, imagine if you will, Lewis. Yes. A world with no Champions League. Dark, I know. Um, uh, I don't like to even give that a moment's thought. And sorry, guys, we didn't mention this at the beginning of the episode, but we thought we'd uh, save a little special topic for you at the end because we're uploading a tad late. Um, This European Premier League thing. Do you know what really grinds my gears? Should have a, I think we should have a we'll, we'll include a segment in the in the next couple episodes. It'll just be what grinds our gears. Anyways, um, this league does not fill me with any confidence whatsoever because they want to do a round robin style tournament, which is similar to the European um, Nations League or the UEFA Nations League. And if we're going to be honest, no one cares about the Nations League. It is a no name competition. And it's just to make more money. It's weird because like, when it first came out, it was uh, the thing and Twitter just exploded. It was like, oh, does that mean they're going to leave the Premier League? He's like, no, it doesn't. But this effectively kills the Champions League. And the Champions League's a great competition. I don't know what you need to change. I know, the it's Champions back League tonight and I'm buzzing. Exactly. And I mean, the Champions League makes money like nothing else. So what's and the point? The thing that annoys me, and I've I put this in group chats when it 
I asked about it in group chats when it came out because I wanted to talk about it today. The thing that annoys me is you can obviously tell it's money-driven because the two English teams pushing for this are Liverpool and Manchester United. <laughs> United Blazers. aren't good enough for the Premier League at the moment. Imagine being in a league with Bayern, Real, Barca, Juve, PSG, uh, Atletico Madrid, Dortmund. Like I, I, I can't imagine. A, well, I can imagine a world where we get beaten every week because it's happening. <laughs> oh, we're, no. we're not good enough to play in that league. I mean, there's no relegation. It's a closed thing by invitation yeah. only, which again makes no sense. Because then you don't get stories like Leicester getting to the quarterfinals the season after they won the league. Exactly. And it, the thing that gets me about the whole competition as well is that it's just you're taking away from the magic of the Champions League tournament because everyone, or the first time the Nations League got played, that final tournament, I didn't watch a single game. No. It's like, oh, England lost to the Netherlands. Oh, big boohoo. Cool. It's not like we were actually gunning for this piece of silverware. Like, it's, like it means something. No. And I like the knockout format of the Champions exactly. League. Exactly. I, I love don't want that. it to be like, oh, well, uh, Bayern Munich have beaten Barcelona 3-0. But it's okay because next week they go again. No, I want there to be proper, like, I want there to be tears. I want there to be careers on the line in a knockout. I want them to be nil-nil after the first leg. Yeah, there's, I want, I want that as much as it pained me to watch. I want that kind of drama at the last second when Tottenham managed to knock out Ajax a couple of years ago. Yeah, I said a couple I, years I ago, want it's that, one year ago. No, <laughs> 93rd minute, Lucas Moura. Exactly. In a knockout group, in a knockout game, that is unreal. In a league format, that's like, oh, well, well, typical. Try again exactly. next week, lads. No, I don't, no I don't, there is no next week. I, I don't care. I mean, they're, 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 funnily enough, um, all of the reports, at least from Sky UK side, have included you know teams from obviously the UK. So to, usually they, they talk about five or all six of the top six teams um, being in contention to have a place there. And then obviously the top three teams from... Spain and Barca, Real and Atletico, um, PSG from France and Juve from Italy. They didn't manage to, see, manage to mention a single German team, which I think is uh, very telling of what I think the general stance in Germany is um, towards, you know, uh, what we in Germany call at least whenever the, the topic is discussed, a, a Super League, if you will, like a UEFA Super League. And... Even Bayern's chief exec, uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, has said that they are, in principle, against a, uh, a Super League, even though there have been you know, rumors and reports of Bayern in getting included in deals like this and, or in talks of creating a potential Super League like this. But you know, I think, in general, it's just, it's just something that really gets me when it comes to football because it's just, you know, money is making that decision and it's driving that decision. Nothing else. Yeah. And it's, I mean, 
Okay, one, one of the, the guys we went to uni with said this, and I'll tell you who after. I don't want to name him on here. Uh, it was like, well, it, it doesn't, this doesn't make any difference to United and Liverpool's fans in Malaysia and the Middle East and places like yeah. that because they can still watch those games. It's people that live around those places. It's like, well, if you've got European games being played in like Qatar or, you know, Charlotte in USA, it's like, well, no one cares. No, no one wants because that doesn't make Liverpool. If they're playing those games there, that's not Liverpool anymore. That's not Manchester United. That's sort of like a Harlem Globetrotters type thing. That's the best way to describe it. There's no home for that club. Yeah, and that's not on. But the La Liga president Javier Tebas, he said this right. So the authors of that idea if they really exist, not only show total ignorance of the organizations and customs of European world football, but also serious ignorance of the audiovisual rights market. These underground projects in inverted commas only look good when drafted at a bar at five in the morning. Uh, right. Yeah, I could a hundred percent agree with that one. Because there's, there's this apparent 4.6 billion pound, sort of like funding thing being raised where's that coming from in the midst of not where's that coming from at the best of times not just a global pandemic exactly and also speaking of a global pandemic we need less matches not more don't start trying to implement a new tournament which might mean even more matches for an already completely tired out player base because it doesn't matter where you're going, whether it be the UK, Italy, Germany, France, Spain, wherever, all the players are dead at this point, especially the ones who had you know, the full Champions League season. They're tired. They don't need more matches. They need less. And for all these players, they're most likely not going to get a full summer to recuperate fully until the summer of 2023. Because 2022, there's a World Cup in Qatar which, you know, to add insult to injury, is going to be played in November and December, which means it turns the complete table or it complete, uh, the, the schedule completely upside down. You've got the Euros because they had to be moved, pushed back to 2021 um, due to the pandemic. And there's not going to be a tournament-free summer until 2023. Uh, and in 2023, you're still going to be feeling the after effects of 2022 because of the massive break that players are going to need after the world cup in Qatar it is just baffling to me how much money is going to make this, make this sport spin rather than, you know, something else. I can't, I can't fathom the mind of the men that think they're obviously not football men, they're money men, which Definitely. is why the Glazers and John W. Henry have gone. Oh, yes, please. Because they're money men as well. I mean, it's, it, it explains why in the US, the fan bases or the fan culture in, uh, in sports is just that much different. Because in the US, they've already monetized sports so much that the fan bases never have, in my opinion at least, have never had the chance to grow properly and to, you know, to become what they are in Europe. Because in Europe, the fan base in football you don't get those ultra groups in in the U.S. You don't get you know fan fan songs or, or an atmosphere in stadiums in sports in general that you can get in Europe. That's what I mean. I get the feeling that 
sport in the US is a pastime. Sport in Europe is it's almost a lifestyle choice. Exactly. Like and some a, of these, I don't think anyone's ever born into an American franchise team. No. You know, you're never born into supporting Tampa Bay or Orlando City FC, but you're born into supporting Bayern. You're, you're born and you're raised to think like a Bayern fan. Yeah. Speaking like of Bayern, team. we have some breaking news for the first time. It has actually come in mid-episode, and it's not good news. Serge Gnabry has tested positive for the coronavirus and is now going to be quarantined for two weeks. Um, we hope he gets well soon and he doesn't have any harsh effects from the virus or harsh symptoms. But that is very, very, uh, or is very, very big news when it comes to the squad that Bayern are going to put out. Um, not just tomorrow against Atletico, but, you know, in the coming weeks. Yeah, definitely. That affects them massively. If only you had Philip Coutinho or Ivan Perisic still to play. Don't, don't, don't get me started on our sporting director because Zadi Hamicic, as I've said before, I think cannot hold his own in a conference room. Well, would you like some... Uh, it's not really breaking news, but would you like... I'll give you a guess as to who scored the first goal of this Champions League season. It's literally just happened now. Oh, uh, so I'll I give even... you. Uh, it was for Juventus, but I'll give you a choice of three. Oh. Adrian Rabiot. Sorry. Ronaldo's not playing. Oh, is that? Oh, right. Yeah, he's still under quarantine. He Jeez. is under quarantine. So, Adrian Rabiot. Yeah. Aaron Ramsey. Uh-huh. Or Alvaro Morata. Aaron Ramsey and everyone's going to have to now figure out which celeb's going to die next. <laughs> no, it was Alvaro Morata, so celebrities can rest easy in their beds. Ah, okay. Well, I mean, I, I still, I still, I'm always struggling to keep track of whether Morata is now playing for Juve or Atletico because he's flip-flop between those two teams so many times. He never really rediscovered his Juve form from the no, first time. No, he really time. didn't. He really didn't. Oh, a little bit more breaking news. It's a uh, it's a United debut for Alex Tellers. Ooh, ooh. But uh, Paul so Pope a red on the card, bench. red card on the cards for tonight. Then nah, <laughs> two two assists and a free kick goal. Heard it here first, folks. Oh, Billy, I'm, we're gonna have to get your head out of the clouds, there, buddy. <laughs> I'm not expecting anything. Oh, well. well so there I we think, go. I was about to say that that round of breaking news c- concludes this episode nicely. We've had London Derby, two London teams that couldn't keep their cool and threw away pretty decent leads. Some interesting team selections in the Bundesliga and a nice good old rant about a European Premier League going to make one correction there you said london derby i'm pretty sure you meant the merseyside derby that's the one well tottenham tottenham west ham's a london derby technically i'm not wrong i know you're technically not wrong but you still failed to mention that we but i, I did mean merseyside derby yes Shh, well it's all good we we still got the topics down don't forget guys to follow us on instagram and twitter as well as subscribe on our rss feed and spotify 
We will be back next week with another episode talking everything Champions League, Bundesliga, and Premier League. But that's all from us this week. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep calm of the beautiful game.